House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. It's that time again. You are back in the House of Mystery, and I'm Al Warren. And, of course, co-host is uh, Mr. David Marty Martino. Ah, <laughs> I get a new new middle name now. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out if we should be ca- calling you Marty or not. Marty. Well, I used to I used to go by Dave Martin on the uh, on college radio. It's kind of well, like Marty, I guess. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> back in the day, it's well, that was back when yeah, the, that was back in the nineties. Yeah, I was going to say a long time ago. You know, <laughs> um, but. Um, Mr. Martin, it sounds too formal. Yeah. Yeah. Marty's better. Marty. Fly Dave Marty. Pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, people like the Rose. I hear that. Yeah. You know, David Rose. Yes. A serial killer. Yeah. It seems like a serial killer. Hey, so they have you, that, that, Bob Saget. Um, so you see how he died? You heard that on the news break. Eh? Yeah. He got hit on the head or something, or he hit himself yeah. on the yeah. yeah, he hit himself yeah. in the head and just went to bed, and I guess. Yeah. You know, blood formed on the head, and yeah, and, yeah. So it makes me wonder. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting for the conspiracy theorists. Yeah, and you know, plus who, he had, who, I guess, they say, yeah, he had COVID. So, um, uh-huh. you know, I don't know who who's going to kill him, but somebody did. Somebody had to. <laughs> Hillary Clinton did it. That's who did it. <laughs> <laughs> That's who they blame all the time. Is that? No, Bill Gates. Bill Gates, that's who yeah. did it. Yeah. It was the chip. The chip ex- made his head <laughs> explode. That's oh, terrible. Well, so anyway, um, and Peacemaker, so you're on to that series? You're going to do a review yet? I haven't uh, watched that yet. I was you're you're going to like it. Am I? Yeah. Oh. So play all that 80s heavy metal stuff. Oh, okay, perfect. <laughs> Lita Ford, you know all your favorites. Yeah. So, well, so you're going to Big like Lita it. Ford fan. Yeah, well, there you go. So you're going to like it. <laughs> Just for that. <laughs> anyway, well, let's get on to the serious stuff. We've uh, got Leader Ford here today. No, we don't. Um, <laughs> today we are speaking with an author, and uh, she's got a book out called The Wrong Woman, and it's a novel, a Kendall Beck thriller. And that's Leanne Kale Sparks. Thank you for being here. Hi, it's great to be here. I'm really glad that I'm not Lena and you didn't ask me to sing, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder what ever happened to Lita. Do you think she's still around? Oh, yeah. Yeah, she just took her music off of Spotify, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, did she? I think I thought, that's what I thought I heard. She's no, good for her. with Neil Young. Good for her. <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we went on Spotify just so we took our show off. <laughs> we, said, we weren't on, but we went on, joined it, and then I took it off the next day. <laughs> just in, you. <laughs> well, you know, I've got, I'm Canadian, you see, so I'm, you know, I've got to keep up the good work for, for old Neil. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm terrible, I tell you. All hate mail, remember, goes to Dave. Yes. You, it sounds like you've had an interesting life, but it's hard for me to tell. Because uh, <laughs> it says you had a short career in law and then um, returned to your first love of writing. So, um, And I know that uh, in this book, this current book, it's it's about an FBI agent, if I if I remember. Um, so, tell us, are you CIA, FBI, NSA, like what? <laughs> well, if I were CIA, I couldn't tell you, but so, so you, that that's going to continue to be the the mystery. And 
but no, um, I started out um, writing just for fun and stuff and, and went to college and got, of course, the requisite English degree because I was going to be a prolific writer. And then uh, reality set in. And back at that time, it wasn't really easy to get um, publishing contracts and things. So I went ahead and went to law school and uh, did some did some time doing some criminal defense work and some family law. And that was about it. Plus, I was married to uh, a guy in the Navy, which makes me married to the Navy, which means I moved a lot and we weren't really in one place for very long. And uh, I just got tired of studying for bar exams and trying to get licensed in every different state that we were moving to. <laughs> so <laughs> one day I went to him and I said, hey, I think I want to stop this law thing and just start writing. He said, okay. And that's, there we are. <laughs> Here we are. There you are. <laughs> So when you when you finally stopped running from the law <laughs> and decided to go to work writing, how did? But you know that's um. I always say that's a curious moment when you know is there something that happened in particular because um you know you're you're doing a job and it's probably you know decent work, a decent amount of money, and you're living a life and yeah you're moving a lot, um but to actually kind of go okay that's it. Um, and then to jump into writing, um, doesn't that make you nervous? Oh, oh yeah. I think it, it, it made me nervous and probably made my husband even more nervous. Um, but <laughs> he's very supportive. But I, I actually um, was going to take over a family law practice from an attorney. And um, he uh, was sort of less than reputable. And... I, uh, I, I didn't last long there and, and, and decided that I wasn't going to do that. And one day I was sitting watching the noon news in San Diego and he pops up on the screen and is being arrested for putting a hit out on his wife. And I'm like, I know that guy. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so that kind of really sparked something. I, I sat down and tried to write a story about, you know, kind of what had happened to me. It, it's, uh, never went anywhere. It's still in the, maybe you'll get back to it file in my desk. But um, yeah, it just, that, that kind of set me in motion. And then it was like the floodgates opened and storyline after storyline started popping out and I couldn't keep up with it. And uh, it, it, it just went from there. And when I couldn't get to sleep because I was up until two o'clock writing, my husband kind of decided that maybe I was serious about this whole writing thing and gave me the green light. Yeah, you know, I, I always find that curious when someone does that. You know, and actually, it, it's funny when you mention that with the long for, law firm and stuff, not reputable and stuff. There, I don't think people realize it's quite a business, isn't it? The whole legal, you know, oh, absolutely. With, with all the law firms and stuff like that. Yeah, it, it definitely is, and and especially in family law, um, it can it can be uh, kind of tenuous situations to be in um you're dealing with people and their money and people and their kids and um this particular attorney had spent much time taking people's money and then not showing up to court so uh that that's never a good thing and then you know the whole trying to kill your wife thing kind of that that sets a tone that people don't really trust you but yeah law firms that you know it, it you, you want to make money <laughs> yeah. you have law school debt to pay off so 
<laughs> yeah. Well, that's right. It's, a, it's an expensive venture, right? You spend a lot of time and money getting into law school and passing and getting your bar and then going on into a career. It's uh it's a, it's a, it's hard to just give all that up. Yeah, it, it was. Um, but there again, I, I was returning to something that I really loved. So it was maybe a little bit easier for me than, than just, you know, out and out quitting. Cause I didn't like it. Cause I did enjoy it. I just didn't enjoy taking the bar exam. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. And at least, <laughs> well, yeah. And at least you had the writing. Otherwise, you know, it'd be super size or. <laughs> yeah. 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 I definitely, you know, I you don't want to just, part. yeah. Um, okay. So when we get into this book, okay, you say this is a uh, Kendall Beck thriller. So how do you describe what a Kendall Beck thriller is? Well, Kendall Beck is an FBI special agent. She works in the Crimes Against Children unit. So right there, it's it's already sort of dicey. Um, I had a few publishers that didn't like the storyline that the um, where Kendall starts where it starts off with Kendall being um, involved in a, in searching for a a girl that may have been kidnapped or abducted. And it turns out that she may have been molested. So they kind of backed off on that. And I finally did find a a publisher that said, ah, we don't, we're not squeamish about that. And thriller readers aren't squeamish about that. And uh, so this book really goes after it follows her in this investigation into this child abduction but then she learns that her best friend is murdered and she shifts gears and starts unofficially working with the Denver police department to find out who uh, murdered her best friend. And it's just kind of, you know, the, the one storyline kind of begets the other storyline and, and, and how those two kind of interweave and, and, and make a big mystery. How, how do you think a story like this comes to you? Is this something that you um, have kind of maybe run across in, in your legal career or life? Or do, do you think it's just something that um, comes to you in the middle of the night? Well, I can't actually remember how this story came to me. Usually it's it's something that's sparked by maybe a, a news story or an article or, I mean, anything can can actually spark it and, and you go oh well then what if this happened and what if this happened but Kendall her character um I wanted to make her uh a special agent in the crimes against children unit because I have luckily um had a contact that was in the FBI and in that unit and he was able to introduce me to some FBI agents so I, I got to see how they worked and what they were doing and I think it's such important work that they do in this unit that I really wanted my character of the Kendall character to be um, in that unit and be somebody that is, is really fighting for good and, and, and doing, you know, just a horrible kind of job. Yeah. It, you know, when you focus on that uh, unit, you know, the child protective and all that, um, I, I wonder, do you think that the, public in general understands really what kind of work they do or what goes on in that unit? I don't think so. I don't, because um, before I had heard of it, I, I before I was introduced to it through my uh, FBI friend, I hadn't ever really heard of it and hadn't really considered it. And it's, there's so many um, 
areas that they cover. You know, it's not just like child abduction where that you hear about on the news where, you know, all of a sudden the kid is just taken and then you never see him again. It's the grooming of children. It's, it's the finding the right kind of child that feels like they're not loved or not accepted. And they, these men and, and sometimes women find these people and, and these kids and they, they groom them to be prostitutes. And it's just really a horrible existence. Um, they get them hooked on drugs and, and it's just not a good thing. And, and so I, I wish that more people understood what this unit was doing. I know that they put up press releases sometimes and there's usually annually, they have a big roundup of um, these uh, sex trafficking rings. Um, and and I, was, I was really surprised that they, they do this like at the Super Bowl. So expect something at the Super Bowl <laughs> where they kind of go in and they, and this is a big part of, of big events like this where you can, people go in and they can buy children. And it's, it's so I wish there was more, more that they could say about it and it could be more, um, you know, known so people can, can take better care of, of, you know, watching out for these things and seeing what the FBI is actually doing because it is important work. And I think it's really kind of hard work for them to do and not many people want to get into it. Yeah. And I, one of my books I wrote years back was in chains. It was about trafficking and there were so many things going on in the u.s like that child trafficking and and kind of like you were describing and i was surprised when we were doing promo for that book how many people were like their response was that doesn't go on here i couldn't go on in the states or that isn't that's not real type thing it's like no there's there's a ton of it happening right now yep that's why i i put this I, I wanted to put the setting in Colorado because that's where I'm from originally and I wanted to do it in Denver because there's a, a big you know in, there's two big interstates that go right through there 70 and I-25 and it's lots of trucking there's lots of traffic and those are the the areas where this sort of thing happens where um you know these major highways and stuff and so I, I really was in I'm, I'm amazed at how many people don't consider that either. Um, and, and I have three girls. <laughs> They're grown now, but still, it, it, there's a lot of, you know, be aware of what's going on around you. Just be, be aware of, you know, you don't, you have to take care not to do certain things. And, and you know, like most kids, they, they, they think, ah, that will never happen to me. And it's really hard to, to kind of get through to people that, yeah, this kind of thing can happen. And once it happens, then it's too late. <laughs> you know, then it's too late. You can't go back and say, oh, I should have. I, you know, I should have done this. I should have warned them about that. I shouldn't have let them go here by themselves. Um, so I, I think it's important to kind of get it out there. And I'm, I'm happy that Crooked Lane uh, let me, you know, go down this this line, uh, this storyline, because I think it is important for people to consider that it can happen to any child. It can happen to anyone. And, it, and it's big, it's a big business in this country. Well, with your research into uh, child trafficking and your writing, is it hard for you to, uh, is it hard for you, really? Uh, do you need to uh, decompress uh, from, from researching and, and writing about stuff like this? Yes, that's why I have a very good wine collection. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, the way to do it. it, it, it yeah. yeah it's, 
coffee in the morning, wine, you know, after coffee. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it can get really, um, tedious sometimes and it can get just depressing to, to consider. And so I, I, um, I know when I'm getting too far down, down that road of where I'm getting too involved and I need to take a break because it's just too heavy. Um, and, and so I'll, you know, leave my office and, and go and, and usually now my husband works from home so we, I can go and talk to him and, and, and stuff, but, and it, 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 it can get really, um, hard to, to go down, but, Sometimes when you get into the research, you just keep going and you keep going and you keep going. Um, and, you know, hopefully you don't get too far down that road to where it just gives you nightmares. So I haven't been there yet. So <laughs> I'm glad about that. <laughs> well, you know, it'll come. I'll warn yeah. you now. I mean, I've done, I don't know how many, 26 true crime books or something. And, <laughs> and uh, there, I think what it is, to be honest, is it's you are dealing with the negative element of human you right. know of you know you see you're constantly dealing with what people do and you just don't understand you go why this is crazy that's terrible and you kind of go over it and over it again and if you get a lot of that i think the only way out of it is to uh drink a lot of wine no it's to uh, <laughs> yeah, no you know you got to find um good things that people do yeah. you got to look for some positive um on the side as well to kind of realize that cause it, you know, it's like if you're, I see this with, with police and different law enforcement that really get involved in cases and they start acting like everyone is bad because that's all they're dealing with. So it's, it's hard to pull yourself out of that. So you just have to be uh, drunk. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think where I may have an advantage over you is uh, since you write true crime, I'm, I'm still in the fiction, so I can still kind of lie to myself <laughs> that it's, you know, this isn't real. This is a story I'm making up. This isn't, you know, I'm, I'm trying to make it as, uh, you know, salacious and, and gasp worthy as, as I possibly can. So I can kind of pull myself back out of it. I, I can't imagine writing true crime and, and, and researching uh, and, and actually writing about and getting so involved in, I mean, the amount that I get involved in, in a fictional character, um, I can't imagine what it's like to do it on a true crime side. So kudos. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, 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 yeah, it's, it's got its moments. It depends on the case and it depends on how far you go in. If you're meeting the, the killer and you're meeting the family of the victims and all that, when you're going through all that, you, you, cause you have to kind of bounce off of their emotions. So, um, it's kind of, it's, yeah, it's unusual. It usually bothers you after. Yeah. Um, more than at the time for me anyway I mean everyone's different I guess so you know is that kind of the subtext or something that you want people to get so you know if, if, if I pick up the wrong woman and I read it you know there's the story and there's all the salacious details and and all this thing going on but after I read it is there something you're hoping I take away from the book um well, the, the main character goes through a lot of, uh, a lot of growth, <laughs> sort of. Um, she, she learns a lot about her best friend in that she doesn't, she didn't realize a lot of stuff that, that was happening to her. Um, and, and Kendall Beck as a, as a character, she takes on a lot of what is happening around her and to her and thinks that she is 
failing. So, um, I mean, I, I would love if people would become more aware of um, the sex trafficking side of it, but that's really kind of a minor plot, subplot in the book. The, the overarching um, plot in the book is, is this relationship she has with her um, best friend who's now dead, and she's realizing that there was a lot of stuff she didn't know while she's trying to find who murdered her and it starts bringing up a lot of things from her past where she had dealings with a serial killer and um kind of tried to help a girl that was was the serial killer's victim get away and failed her and so now she has this constant feeling that she's failed everybody in her life that in some way she's failed um and and that's really kind of what keeps driving her and it's kind of sad because it's also it, it drives her forward, but if she would just take a step back and realize that she didn't, it's not, it's not all her fault, then she might, you know, be a little bit happier um, and, and not take on the burdens of the world. But then again, that's really what drives her and makes her a good FBI agent. So it's kind of, you know. Yeah. How, how much of you was in, in Kendall Beck? Like, what do you, like, uh, there's always some of, a writer in in their characters um and, and how much of kendall beck is you um all of her sarcasm is me um <laughs> other than that i'm not i'm not real sure um but yeah she's she's got she's got a sarcastic quick quick wit and i think that that pretty much is me but mostly um i think it's somebody that i, I she's very strong so it's somebody i wish i i i was I hope I, I'm like, but yeah, other than that, I, I think that she's just kind of a, this compilation of a lot of strong women that I know. And, uh, and then of course my, my contribution is the sarcasm yeah. <laughs> and drinking of the wine. Yeah. Well, that's important too, right? You know, it's, you know, big part of the personality. Well, I, I just wonder, so now a lot of fiction writers, um, uh, say say to us when we're interviewing them that they um, have a unique relationship with their characters, and sometimes they'll describe them as children or friends or family. I hear all sorts of descriptions. Um, how would you describe your relationship with your characters? Um, yeah, it, it, you you do start actually feeling like they they are living, breathing people that you just never actually see <laughs> and when you start seeing your characters then you know and you need to back off from the wine a little bit but um <laughs> but no i i think that um it's the it's the re kind of the relationship between her and everybody else that that kind of uh that that's where i feel close to to her um in that i they you know, the, the friendships that she has and the way that she responds to people. But yeah, she, she pretty much just lives in my head. And, but I, I do feel kind of like it, it's somebody that I know that, that I, I could, she could be a person that I would, I would be friends with and, and know and, and stuff. But so far she's just in my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I find your prose, you know, very rhythmic, very readable. Do you hear the rhythm of language and uh, as you're writing? And can you hear Kendall and your other characters? Uh, or uh, do you experience uh, her and, and your other characters in some other way? 
No, I really do hear them. I, I hear their voices. Um, and, and yeah, when, when I'm writing, there's definitely a flow to it. Um, and I, I can, a lot of times I'll, I'll, I'll be doing mundane stuff and, and a scene will hit me and I'll be like, oh, I got to write this down and, and I want to make sure I get that in. Um, but when, most of the time when I'm, I'm writing and, and you just have this really good flow going, it really mm. does feel like there's just um, like, like it's choreographed and you just kind of know it. And it's an odd feeling, um, yeah. but, but you really feel in the moment and you really feel like, Oh, I've got this. And, and it just flows along and, and feels like it's being choreographed and, and everything is, is working together and the, and the voices are there. And I, I think that's really how, I can make the the dialogue between them hopefully feel real and and like it's an actual conversation that people could have outside of a book <laughs> um, because I hear them in my head and it is so different. Um, are you planning? Because you say this is a Kendall Beck thriller. Is this is this going to lead to a series with with Kendall Beck? Well, there is a book two in the works. Um, so, and hopefully, uh, if people like uh, the the characters, then there will be more to come. But there is definitely a book two that will feature Kendall and um, Adam Taylor again. When you when you talk about serial killer in your book, what kind of research do you do for that? Do you actually try to find a real serial killer and kind of go through the details of them, or is this something that from your own experience of being a serial killer? <laughs> well, I don't really talk about that much because I haven't been convicted. So <laughs> I, I kind of keep that on the down low. But no, um, I, I do research a lot. Um, I do have books on serial killers. Probably um, the person I go to most for reference is um, Dr. Catherine Ramsland. And she uh, wrote a book about uh, BTK and she's she's really kind of very much a person that understands uh, serial killers and what they're thinking and why they kind of uh, why they do that what they do knowing that you know while while we say serial killers have kind of um, things that they come that are in common each of them has in common each one of them it really is kind of different in how and how and why they do things that they you know killing people um so it, it's interesting i i've always kind of been interested in 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 serial killers um not because i do that but <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> but he's actually you know about anyway oh, yeah Catherine's a good friend i've known her for a long time <laughs> Had her on the show three or four times, you know, and um, she actually wrote a really good review of one of my books oh. in her. She did an article and she said she's using it in one of her classes. So there you go. <laughs> well, I met her at a Writers Police Academy and she was my shooting partner. So and then, of course, <laughs> all of her panels. So, yeah. So we took out some guys at a bank. So it was it was great fun. I had a good time. <laughs> Well, you know, you write uh, directly from the point of view of the serial killer in, in your prologue. Uh, what's it like getting into the mind of the killer? Yeah, it's really fun. I, um, I kind of <laughs> like it. And uh, I, I gave this to an author friend of mine way back in the early days when it was still just like a short story. 
and mm. I hadn't expanded much on it. And there was a lot more of the serial killer voice in it. Um, and she's like, oh, wow, you just really do this well. You're really good at writing serial killer. And I'm like, I think that's a compliment. Um, I'm going to take it as a compliment. So, um, yeah, but I really, it kind of, it's almost a no holds bar kind of thing. Um, you, you can get into it and go, well, of course this guy would think this. And, and of course he'd do that. And it's kind of a way of, of pushing the boundaries of, of maybe acceptability or, <laughs> but, of, of, you know, where, where you go, Ooh, ick, no, people wouldn't do that. When you're writing, you can go, Oh yeah, they would. Yeah, they would. <laughs> this guy, <laughs> this guy's going to do it. <laughs> I think it's mostly the accepting. It's the voice, the, the serial killer making it seem like it's a normal thing. What they're doing is completely normal. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, and, and trying to take that, and this just this horrendous situation and, and heinous act that they're doing and justify it as, well, this is just how I am. And so, of course, it's okay to do. So that's that's kind of fun to play with, too. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, along that line, too, from my experience, you could you could put that on on the way people do no matter what they do. They do it with that reason because they they see the world in a certain way. They see their place in that in the in a certain part of society and then they take that and that's the reason why they can do what they do yeah. you know it's kind of weird you know and that um i don't know if you've seen uh Catherine's, um show on a and e about the btk that she did yeah yeah, yeah. see and that's the way it should be done that's yeah. one of the best uh true crime shows i've seen and i watch them all because we interview most of the people that do it and i'll tell you um that's the way it should be done they're just mm -hmm. it's not about selling it was just straightforward and and she did what she had to do i think it was a really good really good thing so yeah um, he he's just he's interesting <laughs> to begin with i mean that i i think a lot of at least from my research and, and talking to Catherine and other, you know, people that know thing, a thing or two about serial killers is they're very proud of what they do. Some of them, you know, they're, they're egotistical and <laughs> they're very narcissistic and, and they really just want to tell you how great they were at what they did. You know, it's, it's, it'd be like, you know, you're interviewing me and, and about, my writing, it'd be like, you know, well, interview me about how great I did in my job of killing people and the police not being able to find out who it was for, you know, however many people I killed. So it, it's an interesting, he is definitely interesting how he, he would uh, compartmentalize um, what he was doing and, and how he did it. Yeah, you know it's it's a really funny thing that she uh, when she interviewed him and she was talking over the five years and she would ask him uh, how he saw himself and stuff. He saw himself like Britney Spears, eh? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just, I just say, holy cow, that's so crazy. Yeah, he, he, yeah I'm a rock star at what I do. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, good for you, buddy, but we're yeah. going to block you away for right now. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, you know, yeah. and, you know, hey, that's what we deal with. But um, now, your other other main character, your detective, uh, Adam Taylor. Now, who, where did you get him from? Is that like your husband kind of turned into detective? <laughs> 
No. <laughs> you shouldn't. Now, 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 I could cut that out because you certainly don't want to be laughing like that. No, no <laughs> you know. he's definitely not my husband. Um, he, I don't know where he comes from, actually. Um, he just, I, I wanted somebody that would play off of Kendall, but I wanted Kendall not to be, I, I didn't want there to be, I didn't want there, first of all, I didn't want there to be any sexual tension between them. I just, I, I didn't. Um, and I just wanted there to be like this camaraderie between the two of them. And, but I wanted him to be kind of like taken, taken aback by her a little bit. So, you know, not expecting her to be as tough as nails maybe as she is. And, and, you know, she kind of says things like it is. And, and, uh, and, and I wanted him to be like, you know, I wanted her to have the upper hand a little bit in the relationship and him and him kind of sitting there going, what in the world am I gotten myself into? So I'm not really sure who he is. He's, he, he's probably, probably somebody I've met in my, my past that I've, I've forgotten about and he snuck back in there. Oh, so you see, we're getting to secrets mm. now. Yeah. Well, this book is kind of about secrets, so yeah. we'll cut this part out, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. That's it. That's going to be the promo. Yeah. Chris is going to come home from his business trip and go, so I heard you've been uh, thinking about other men, and that's You're fictional. They're fictional. They're, They're fictional. fictional. They're fictional. I don't no. know that that helps. No, no, probably not. You know, I was just dreaming it, yeah. Uh-huh. It was all a dream. No, I... um. Well, that's interesting. So, do you do you find characters or supporting characters and that uh, from places and people you've seen? Do you go out to coffee shops and you kind of cruise or hanging out in the mall? And where do you get all these other characters? Um, I I real I think that there yeah it, yeah you definitely have to be somebody that is that wants to be an observer of people. I think to write fiction. Um, I love going to coffee shops and going to the, well, when you could go to the mall, <laughs> go to a mall, um, the airport, um, places where people kind of sometimes will let their inhibitions down a little bit, you know, the, and, and you, cause you can sit like in an airport, you can actually sit there and watch people walking by and having conversations that, you know, they, they don't take into account where they are and that other people can be listening to them and they may not care because you're never going to see them again. But, yeah, I, I think it's a lot of the characters that I come up with are just maybe people I've seen or things that I've seen people do. And, and, and it's like it's not just like, oh, I know this person and I'm going to make them this character. It's more um, what you observe people doing. And then, of course, in your writer's brain, you can make that go, well, what if this happened and what if they're like this or, you know, what if they have this secret life that nobody knows about? And, you know, you can you can kind of go down various little uh, avenues on that and, and make a pretty interesting character that isn't anybody that's real to life, but just kind of a compilation of, of things that you've seen. Well, I'm wondering, in the course of your writing, has, has Kendall or any of your other characters done anything to surprise you? Going off the rails or anything like that? In this book, the, the biggest surprise to me was that um, about, I was probably about two edits away from actually having a polished manuscript to send out. 
um, the serial killer <laughs> changed. <laughs> uh, who they are um, changed. And I was like, oh, well, that's a surprise. So mm. um, that I guess that is a character that surprised me. Um, mostly, I think that, that where Kendall will surprise me sometimes is um, she has unguarded moments. And, um, and I think that that's actually something that a lot of people don't ever really see in, in people that they know. Like if you, you meet somebody and you're like, oh, they're, they're so strong. You just don't ever get to see that, the, the side of them that mm. isn't strong and they do let go. And so I think that there are a couple of times in the book that she kind of lets her guard down and, uh, and, and you can see some of, some of emotional side and of her. So when you finish this book, sent it in, got it edited, and now it's, it's published. Um, do you think the experience has changed you some, and will your next book be different because of it? Um, well, it was, it's was. it been an experience, yeah. Um, I didn't really understand as much as I'd like to about traditional publishing and how things kind of, the, the amount of time it takes and, and stuff. Um, as far as the writing goes, I think that, that just – by writing it and being involved in, you know, you write and then you edit and you read it and you read it and you read it. And so you get to know the characters really well. So I think that, that there's a lot of, um, in book two, it really focuses more on Adam and what he's going through because um, he, he's the one that is in trouble. Well, his niece is kidnapped. And so Kendall comes in and helps him with that investigation. And so it's, it's more of an emotional roller coaster on, on his side in book two. So we'll get to know more about, about him and his family and, uh, and some things going on. And then how that relationship between Kendall and, and Adam kind of grows and their friendship grows and, and, and things that actually happen in real life with friends where sometimes they just don't agree on, on how to, how things work, and I think there's some of that tension that's going to oh, be in this interesting. Um, any influences that help you when you're writing? Oh wow, I am a huge reader, so I I love um, anything by Harlan Coben and Karen Slaughter and Lisa Gardner and Tammy Hogue and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the list goes on and on. Um, so, but I, I really think that, that I love Harlan Coben and Karen Slaughter because I, I think that I, they kind of gave me permission to actually make characters that talk like real people and, and that they have these issues and, and stuff. So they're not perfect people that come in. And, and um, I, I think I mostly, I think those are the two that that have really. Oh, don't forget me. Writing. You always mention it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you. I was just speaking on the fiction side of thing. On true crime, it totally you. I'm, I'm going to get a complex. You. Nobody mentions me. You know. <laughs> you know, I tried to pitch you in the back of my book, and they said no. Oh, Alan will get oh, a big head, so that, Yeah, that's it. That's, that's, <laughs> that's Al. Yeah, that's me. Um, wow. Um, so I, I wonder then, too, um, so any of your fans or people that read, 
what, what do you think influences you that would really surprise them? Like, you know, are you listening to ballet and or heavy metal? Or is there something you do that sort of would be out of character for the books you write? Uh, I can only write to classical hmm. music. So that would probably be a big surprise. So, you know, I'm writing about um, people being murdered in various in various ways that are kind of disgusting. Um, and and I'm doing it to classical music. So I can't, I can never write with uh, music that has words because then you just start singing along and, and you can't have that. Um, so, yeah, I think that would probably be it. I also have... Um, whiteboards everywhere my and and it's this really cool stuff that you can it's like peel and stick whiteboard and it goes on all of the walls i can get it on and that's how because i'm an uber plotter so i plot everything and i plot replot it and i get down into the minutiae before i can actually sit down and write it out and i think that that works for me because then that gets me into that flow where i can just write because i know the story i know where it's going um, and, and so I usually have like three walls of nothing but whiteboard. So, and, and notes all over it that nobody will ever be able to understand. <laughs> well, I was wondering if, uh, <laughs> if the reason you can't listen to lyrics is because they kind of drown out the voices in your head. That's what it happens to me. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Kendall be yelling at me. Hey, can we turn the music down a little bit? And can you listen to me? I got something to say. Well, you know, so, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you acknowledge uh, Crooked Lane as helping you to, you know, um, I think I think you said to, you know, make the book better than you ever dreamed it could be. And um, you know, I think people yeah. don't know that yeah. you know uh, major publishers used to do that, and they used to really work with a writer. And, you know, that they, they felt had a lot of, uh, of promise, and they'd really work with them to, to build their career. And it looks like that's what Crooked Lane is doing, so that's very heartening to, to see. Yeah, my, um, my developmental editor, Terry, over there, she was great because the book actually came to her, and it, and it had the serial killer's voice throughout. And she, she said, it, it's good, but it's not we can't have it in, in the book that much um, because then you can kind of, there, it's really hard to have that voice in there and not give too much away. And um, I wanted there to be a pretty big twist at the end of, of who this is, actually is. Um, so we, we had that discussion. Um, we had the discussion of, of, you know, how the relationship between uh, Kendall and Adam would go. And, and she was very receptive to me saying, I don't want, hmm. I don't want there to be a romance there. I just want it to be a friendship. I just want them to have a good working relationship and, and not bring in the, the business of romance. Um, I mean, that could change down the road. She could, we could, you know, six, seven books down the road. She may, may come back to me or I may go back to her and say, Hey, let's do this. But um, the whole team over at Crooked Lane has just been, especially since this mm. is a debut novel for me and, and the first time I've, I've traditionally published. So I don't know anything about what I'm doing and you know they're they're always very receptive when I um, email them with a stupid question <laughs> or they're they're like hey Leanne you need to be doing this and hey can you do that and I'm be like oh yeah sure no problem <laughs> so they're they're very uh they're very helpful over there and yeah I can you ask know, for better in 10 years when you're real famous you'll be telling them yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Hey, yeah, yeah. I don't you like do this, this, so I'm going to be asking for the yeah, only the green M&M's at the hotel um, room. And, <laughs> <you know. laughs> well, I have a I have a band on my arm that says, you know, what would Alan do? Well, of course. I mean, yeah. I mean, who who doesn't? Um, so your your structure. Um, now, so you you outlined everything. It sounds like, which is great. I mean, um, and it works for you. But are you the type of person that can just turn it on? So you've got nobody in the house, or you've got some quiet time. Can you just go well? 11 to 3 today, I'm all alone. I'm going to write, and can you just sit down and write? Or do you have to be in a mood? Uh, sadly, I have to be in a mood. and um, But m- m- usually I can get in that mood. Um, I can uh, the, the way our house is set up, even with my husband working from home, because you know everything changed after uh, quarantines and with the pandemic, and so he works from home. But he's got his own office, and I've got, like, the whole upstairs, basically, for my office. So I don't hear him, um, and, and I'm not bothered by him. And I can turn my music on, and I can look over my notes, and whether I'm still in the outlining process or in the writing process, um, I can usually get into it pretty well. Um, the only parts that I really struggle with with writing is when I get to, I have to write in chronological order. I can't skip around. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people can be like, I've gotten, uh, uh, people have told me, well, if you're, if you're stuck, move on to the next scene and then come back to that. I've never been able to do that. <laughs> so that's, that's the biggest struggle for me is that if I can't figure out what comes next, sometimes I'll just be like, oh, I can't figure this out. And so then it's a couple of days of not writing or not doing anything because my brain is just stuck on this one stupid little thing. And uh, usually I'll go in and, and instead of trying to write a story, I'll write dialogue. And I won't put any tags on it or anything. It'll just be straight dialogue, the people talking in my head. And, and that sometimes will we'll get that block out of the way and then, then things start rolling again. Of course, then when I come back to it, when I'm editing, I have no idea who's saying what. So that's yeah. always a fun Well, you know, it's, it, that, that sounds like the line talking. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Well>, you know. <laughs> yeah, if you can't time. figure out the, the, the problem you're stuck on by the time too much wine is given, it's over. <laughs> do you, do you, um, Exactly. Do you actually act out the uh, serial killer in your head then if you're using that voice? So you, do you go out there and start killing people? No, do you, do you, do you, do you go out and... Yeah. <laughs> I was just wondering, I thought I'd trick that. you, you know, maybe you'd talk about how you'd dress up like, a, you know, like some BTK and then you go out and start, you know, seeing how it would work. I don't know. I, I haven't ever gotten that far. Um, but I do, I, I'm very visual in that um, there are scenes where I, I will watch like shows or something. Like uh, you can always hop onto like ID Discovery or something and, and find a, a serial killer show or even just a show about people murdering people. So um, I, I, I can get into it that way by watching it. But um, yeah, so a, a lot of times it's just, going and looking for for what i need to to kind of inspire me the the serial killer thing 
usually I kind of know where I want it to go and I just kind of let it take over and, and sometimes has a mind of its own and you just kind of follow it down and then, you know, you can cut out the parts that, that you need and, and correct it. But um, I, I typically, because I, I plot it out so well, by the time I get to the writing part of it, I kind of know where are, I Are you a big go, social so. media fan and, and do you interact with readers that way or do you like the reviews and that sort of thing or? I do. Um, I, I like social media. I like, uh, I don't, the part of social media I don't like is the part where you have to be on it. Um, but I do love getting messages from readers. Um, this week has been kind of surreal for me because I've, I've gotten a, a lot of um, emails and messages and stuff from readers. And, and that's always really good. Um, the reading of reviews, I don't do it often, but I, I will do it because I think there's even there's value in all reviews for a writer. And, and even in the bad reviews, I think if, if more than one person or, you know, three or four people say, I didn't like this part of the book, then there's something to be learned there. Um, you know, you can't obviously go back and change your book or anything, and nor would you want to. But knowing what, what worked or where you had a misstep maybe um, can help in future books and in future writing. Because I, I, I really do believe that you never stop learning. You never stop learning the craft of writing, or you really shouldn't. <laughs> I mean, you should always want to be learning and trying to make it better and seeing it. You know, sometimes you, you push the envelope, especially in, in these murder mysteries and thrillers. You, you try and push the envelope because you don't want to just do the same thing. And thriller readers, they're just voracious. They can read these books in like a day or two, and they constantly just want more and more. And so you're, as a writer, you're trying to push the envelope as much as you can just to get that, you know, gasp-worthy response of, I can't believe they did that. Um, but sometimes you can go too far, too, and, and you want to know where that line is. So I think reading reviews can kind of, not only can it bolster you, but it can be, it can give you some good information and good input. You're far too nice. You know, you find that bad review, you find out who they are, and you take them in the next book, you kill them. You make them an awful person, and you make them I don't need reviewers for that. I've got enough people in my own life that I can Oh, there you go. So, okay, how do you like people to interact with you? Do you like certain social media sites, or do you have a website, or how do you like people to get a hold of you? Uh, well, I do have a website, um, and, and there's a contact page on there, so that'll send me email. Um, and also it has links to all the social media that I am on, um, you know, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and all of those. So you can, it's kind of a one-stop shop. You can go there, you can find out about me, you can find out about my books and where to get them. And you can find out how to interact with me on social media. Well, we have that link on our website as well. So people can find you with one click, you know, and let you know what they think of your book and uh, and, and and things like that um you know I, how how did covid go for you like it, you know writing during covid and stuff does that outside stress get in the way like you say you kind of have to be in a mood well it didn't um covid didn't actually bother me because i mean i'm, I'm so used to working from home 
anyway. So, and I didn't, I'm, I'm don't really leave the house that much as it is, except to, you know, run out to the coffee shop or something or go to the grocery store. But, um, so it didn't affect me that way. It was more, um, having people in the house all the time. Um, my, like I said, my husband, uh, he was home all the time and I, my eldest daughter, um, finished up her master's degree in Scotland and came back and then COVID hit and she got, she was stuck at our house. And so she was there for about a year. Um, and, and it was, that was difficult because whenever you have a child and come home, uh, <laughs> who's lived on their own, <laughs> there's a, there's a little tension there. So I think it, it, it helped, but it, it helped me in that, um, because because she was there, she also is a writer. She writes nonfiction, but I could we could bounce things off of each other, and and so that was nice to have another writer in the house. Um, but you know, it, it it wasn't horrible for me. Um, my husband has now I, I can no longer do DoorDash or Instacart. I have to actually leave the house because I got got two into that. And then I was like, okay, so we have to stay home all the time. And I can just order from Amazon and Instacart. They just bring all this stuff to me. This is awesome. So that part of COVID was okay. And, but now he's like, no, you have to actually leave the house and interact with people. So (laughs) that's been, that's been good. Dave's still there. He's not interacting. He's still ordering food and not getting up. He's really getting into this, you know, (laughs) Just telling you. Yeah. Well, now the book you have to buy. Now, everyone listening, you got to buy The Wrong Woman. It's a novel, it's a Kendall Beck thriller. You know, Leanne needs the money. She's got lots of wine to buy. She hears a lot of voices and she's hanging out in the coffee shop trying to figure out who she's going to write about. So she needs your help. So don't forget that. Um, so that'll be up on our site as well. So help, help. This is a. Go fund me. Um, <laughs> well, so, yeah, so the book we're talking about, The Wrong Woman, and the guest is the author, Leanne Kale Sparks. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. Thanks, Leanne. Tired of wasting time trying to decide what to watch on your streaming service? Go to our website and look for the Martino Movie Reviews. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.